I'm Matthew Woods, host of Leading Out of the Woods, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everybody, and good morning to you all or afternoon, depending on where you may be. You It may be your afternoon or it may already be Sunday morning, but wherever it is that you're joining us from, thank you so much for making my EdTech life part of your day. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying your nice hot cup of coffee, maybe some breakfast uh, or whatever it is that you may be doing. We're just excited that you're here with us, and today, we have an amazing show, and I'm just so excited for our guest that we have today. He is an amazing education leader. He is an ed tech leader. He is a great podcaster as well. And of course, a family man, which is something that is very just awesome. So well-rounded gentlemen, and I'm just excited to welcome Mr. Jake Miller on the show. Jake, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, Fonz. Thanks for having me. This is exciting to do. Awesome. Excellent. And just big shout out to Josh Tovar, who's joining us here from Texas. Josh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, but Jake, again, you know, it's been a, a while. Like I was talking to you a little bit in the in backstage, you know, before the show. I've been a longtime follower. I really love your work, just the way that you put things out there in just such a simplified form for all of us to understand, to enjoy, and just the tools and resources that you put out there. Definitely thankful for educators like yourself, uh, ed tech leaders like yourself that are always willing to share the goods and share all that awesome sauce with all of us. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah. So Jake, tell us uh, just for just in case uh, for any audience members that are out there watching, uh, anybody that's going to be re uh, listening to the show afterwards uh, that may not know who Jake Miller is. Jake, let us know a little bit about yourself, and if you can, include maybe just something that people may not know about you. <laughs> okay, so I am, I, my, my bio is so complex because it kind of depends on the angle that you're coming at it from. So for <laughs> anybody that does know me right now, they're like, oh, that's the guy that hosts the Educational Duct Tape Podcast, or that's the guy that makes those edu gifts and shares them online, right? And that that is me. That's that's one end of of my interest and the things that I do is, you know, working with educational technology, supporting educators, whether it's on social media or on my website or in my newsletter or on my podcast. The other part is my day job as a teacher. So I, I'm here in Ohio and I currently work as a as an eighth grade science teacher. Uh, I've been eighth grade math and eighth grade STEM and fourth grade math and a couple other grades of math before. We kind of bounced all over the place. Uh, and I've been a tech coach for a while too. And then last year I moved back in the classroom as an eighth grade science teacher. So not many of the people watching right now know me as an eighth grade science teacher, unless my former students are here. If any of you are here, hi guys. <laughs> but yeah, I, I teach uh, science here in Ohio. And then as you alluded to, the the part that takes up most of my time, or at least I try to make sure it takes up most of my time, is is family life. I have three kids and, and a wonderful wife that, that keep me busy for the other hours of the day. Uh, and I'm so lucky to have their support with the stuff that I do because 
you know, when I say say that about the those multiple different kind of aspects of what I'm doing, right? Like obviously teaching is a full-time job and then some, and then doing this other stuff. And you know, this Fonz with, with the, with the live show and stuff like that, when I'm doing the podcasting, that, that obviously takes up a lot of hours too. So I, I just have to make sure I set aside that time uh, for the family life and those kinds of things too. No. And I completely understand like right now with your, your bio, your, your resume that you're pretty much sharing with us. I'm, I was thinking to myself, I was like, where does he find time to do all of this other amazing extra stuff that you're doing? You know, right. the podcasting, um, the gifts, uh, your newsletter, all of that stuff. So you will definitely probably, we'll talk a little bit about that hmm. work life balance. And of course, you know, with this, our, our passion projects that we have, like yours being, you know, your, your podcast, your newsletters and all the thing you do. And mm. of course, you know, with myself, the, the podcast. So I'm really excited about that conversation, but just to, so we can get to know you a little bit more and personally myself too, you know, seeing you as uh, a great education leader. I know I've mentioned that several times, but following you for years and, you know, learning a lot from you and the tips that you share. But I want, I really want to get to know Jake Miller a little bit more as far as the inspiration of, you know, where it was or at what point did you decide to go into education? Can you, do you, can you remember or, or maybe a pinpoint? A, a yeah. Certain, yeah, yeah. Almost begrudgingly. Like I, I think, I think teaching was kind of in my blood. Like I think, I think many of us that are educators are just meant to be educators. Like it's just part of who we are. It's, it's part of our, our personality, our style and, and, and just what we, uh, where we belong, right, is in the classroom and working with students. And my mom was a teacher and she tried to keep me from going into teaching <laughs> when I was graduated from high school. Um, I had never even said I wanted to be a teacher. I had never even considered it. Uh, but I had done some tutoring and stuff like that when I was in high school for younger kids. And my mom said to me as I was preparing for graduation, listen, Jake, I know you want to be a teacher. Uh, don't do it. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to work too hard. You're going to work all kinds of hours. You're going to work your tail off. You're going to get underpaid and you're not going to get the respect you deserve. You're, you're so bright. Go do something else and make lots of money. And as a 17 year old or whatever, I was like, lots of money sounds like a really good idea. So I went into mechanical engineering at first uh, in college and I knew pretty quickly that it wasn't where I belonged, e even though I've taught STEM over the years. And so I have a mind that kind of, you know, it, it fits with the mechanical engineering stuff. Just th that just didn't, th th there was nothing in there that fed me, right? So I, I'm a big believer in the work of Dan Pank, his book Drive. And he talks about the three things that motivate humans uh, are autonomy, choice over what we're doing, mastery, the ability to get better at something and purpose, like having a greater reason for why we're doing what we're doing. And even though mechanical engineers build and invent things and create things that do have purpose, I, I wasn't feeling that purpose when I was in those classes. And where I found the purpose was was working with with young people, working with students. And so I, within my, you know, my first, my freshman year of college, switched gears uh, to studying education. And my mom was like, I knew it. I knew he was going to do it, <laughs> but I did it. And I've, I've loved it ever since, you know, I've, I've changed up what I do in the classroom and where I'm at in schools and what my role is over the years. Uh, but I've known since then that, that being in education is where I belong. Man, that is amazing. And I, I love that. And I can see, like you said, you know, you went into engineering field and I was like, so pretty much. And I just want to ask, is that maybe where the name of the podcast came from? Because mechanical engineering, it's like you just put duct tape on it and it should work. <laughs> so I don't know. That's the first thing that I thought of. I was wondering, I was like, hmm. 
<laughs> I don't know. Maybe that was back in the back of my mind there. <laughs> Maybe. No, but, you know, what I love that you mentioned is, you know, the, with the mechanical engineering, the skills that you gain there, at least getting that experience. But, you know, just a lot of that does translate very well into the classroom, and especially you were talking about STEM, and STEM mm. is such such something that is very big and huge in, in a lot of districts, and a lot of, uh, you know, classrooms are pushing you know, for STEM education and so on. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that uh, a little bit further down the show. But, it, you know, that's such a great story that, you know, you you kind of went, switched gears, fell into teaching, and now you've been teaching for, you know, just years now, yeah. gaining those experiences and those different roles. What would you say, you know, would be some of the, maybe the three top uh, qualities that you have gained or maybe have grown within those different types of role changes. So as you continue to move forward, what are the three qualities that stick with you that you're like, these are my kind of my pillars to continue doing great in any of these roles? Yeah, I think the the things that have helped me grow as an educator and have helped me always do my best are having a growth mindset, which I feel like I've been fortunate that I kind of naturally had coming in. I was naive at first. I thought I was going to be the world's best educator, um, but I very quickly realized that I wasn't, but also had a, had a growth mindset about it. Um, and I think in order for a growth mindset to work, you also have to have the ability to reflect. So I think that's kind of the second thing is, is thinking about where can I get better? What can I do better? Um, and then I think, you know, within those two, it's, it's just, a, it goes along with growth mindset, but it's just an understanding that you, you, you do the best you can. I, I, I reference the quote from Dr. Maya Angelou a lot, do the best you can until you know better. And then when you know better, you do better. And I think that mindset, I know that dovetails really well with, with growth mindset, but the idea of, listen, it's, it's, it, it might not be perfect. It's going to be the best I could get it to be. Um, but this is what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to reflect on it, as I mentioned earlier, and then I'm going to do that growth mindset thing. And the next time I come back at it, I'm going to do better because now I'm going to know better and now I'm going to do better. So I think the two big parts are the reflection and the growth mindset. And then there's that understanding that then when you do know better, then you take those steps to do better. Excellent. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I, I love, you know, especially you mentioned growth mindset and, you know, Today, sometimes I find it very difficult where, you know, I'll find educators and even, you know, whether they're friends or even I work with them, oftentimes, you know, just that that growth mindset is developing. It's there. We push them for growth and we definitely want to help because, I mean, education is ever changing. And of course, we know that now after what happened, you know, these last uh, couple of months or a year and a half, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's been something that has been difficult. And but teachers grew there's there was a lot of growth and i'm i'm one of those that i kind of don't subscribe to the term like maybe like learning loss just because there was some growth in the teachers and that they taught in a different way maybe it just wasn't in the same traditional brick and mortar but there was some growth teachers did thrive oh, yeah. there were there were some students also that did thrive you know they were very just you know self directed and they were able to do and but of course there there are other types of students that need just a little bit more of that uh, you know just that push maybe just being on top of them but there was learning that took place somewhat differently we know that there might be some gaps that you know students come back but what is your take on that? What do you see now as an educator, as a tech coach? Maybe what are some things that you're facing that you're seeing maybe within your district or, you know, and if you don't mind sharing that a little bit yeah. with us. 
Yeah. So I, I always found, you know, throughout this past school year, the term, you know, I, I was in the classroom and I, I was actually you you asked earlier what's something people might not realize about me. I, I struggled last school year. I mean, last school year was really hard for me. I, I had been a tech coach for five years prior to that. And this was my first year back in the classroom since 2014 or something like that, you know, being a full time teacher, not just going into co-teaching as the as the tech coach. Um, and before that, you know, my, my last time teaching science was 2010 or something like that. So I, I was, it was a really difficult year for me and I was working my tail off and, and doing my best, doing, doing all that I could. And when I heard a term thrown around like learning loss, it just, that stung. Cause I'm like, listen, you know, we're, we're doing our best. Our students are like what the students did last year was just amazing and unreal that they, they, persevered through that really difficult situation they were in. We're like, listen, we're going to do this remote. You're going to be on Zoom. And then sometimes you're going to be in person and some other kids are going to be on Zoom. And then this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And then, like, oh, we're, then you're going to wear your masks and then you're going to come in, but you're not going to be around, allowed to be close to people. And you're going to be six feet away and you're going to have a plastic shield around you and like all this crazy stuff. And that they persevered through there. And then for anybody on the outside to say that the students lost, I mean, they, they had a bad situation, but to call it lost just seems just seems unfair. You know, yeah. you you don't look at a, at a at a you know we just had the Olympics wrap up a couple of weeks ago. You don't look at somebody who won the silver medal and tell them they lost. I mean, they they worked they worked their tail off. They did something really really impressive. And did they live up to what they were really hoping to do? Maybe not. And so, did we learn live up to the content standards that we were really hoping to master last year? Maybe not. But I, I wouldn't call that loss. And I think I think if we're measuring learning only on content standards, then we're measuring the wrong things. And certainly I think it's true that my students mastered less science standards in 2020 to 2021 than they would have mastered if it was a, if it was a standard year. If COVID had never happened and we were all in the classroom face-to-face -face and everything was normal and we didn't have that extra weight on our shoulders, sure, they would have mastered more content standards. But I don't think that's that's a loss because that's that, 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 that didn't happen, right? That wasn't there to lose from. And I think the other part of it too is that learning is also like, like when, when we, when, when my students someday graduate out of high school, they're not like, I'm just not hoping like, gosh, I hope they know mitosis and meiosis really well, because <laughs> like, that's something I taught them. Now, I'm hoping that they're functional adults that are going to do really well in their careers and really well in college and stuff like that. And I think that even though this situation was really bad for them, and some of them are going to have, you know, some social emotional issues that come out of this year, I think that they're also going to have a bank of experiences that that equip them for for difficulties and obstacles and for challenges in their future. So I think even though they lost in terms of content standards, um, the way that they handled this situation is going to is going to equip them for their future. Um, you know, I, I think about the way I came out of high school and I. I, I was not the kind of student that my students are going to be five years from now when they graduate. You know, as, as Jay said in the chat there, they learned flexibility. What a huge life skill. Mm -hmm. They learned a lot of different life skills through this process. We certainly wouldn't wish this process on them, but it, it's, it's, it, we can't call it learning loss because they grew in a lot of other ways too. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. And one of the things, and, uh, you know, I think uh, Omar was saying here as well, you know, students learned 
more because uh you know more than academics they learned about life yeah. you know that's pretty much what is coming in here in the chat so i just want to give a shout out to omar lopez who's uh, actually my neighbor right down the street thank you for joining omar thank you for joining amanda macias uh tech coach out of california we've got jay here in the chat we've got amel who's joining us from colombia thank you so much and of course mr teachers on fire himself mr tim cavey thank you so much for joining us this morning but you know, one of the things that I wanted to, uh, you know, share is I know at least within our state, before you know we're we're coming back now face to face, and um, you know, state exams were taken, you know, maybe in March or actually in April, May. They had said, okay, this isn't gonna count. This isn't gonna. It, it's just for data, just just to see where the kids are. And then, of course, there was a push like we got to bring the students in, got to bring them in so they can take this test. And now all of a sudden, you know, based on those scores that weren't supposed to count, now we're making decisions and mm -hmm. we're saying like, oh, look, there's learning loss. And like you mm -hmm. said, you know, I was like, wait a minute, you know, th this is this is interesting. So I agree with everything that you said. But one of the things that I have seen and I don't know if you've seen it because teachers are evaluated based on scores. So when somebody says, well, you know, the students didn't do well, considering everything was online, everything was virtual, and they're like, well, the scores didn't come back, you know, they didn't do very well. Well, for a teacher who prides themselves in their work and, of course, you know, being successful, for a lot of them right now, a lot of them are feeling just disheartened. They're feeling helpless. They're feeling, uh, you know, just alone, like they have no support. And I kind of saw that a little bit in the last couple of days and then in just talking to some of my friends, too, as well, because it's like, well, the scores reflect this, like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not a good teacher, like I didn't do a good job. I was like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. No, 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 no. You know, that that don't think about it that way, even though the scores didn't come out very well. I mean, based at least on on the state. The, our scores did very we did very well compared to other places around mm -hmm. the state all things considering but it's oftentimes instead of saying hey you know what it's okay all things considering we all did very well collectively and so on but it's more like well they're not where we were yeah. obviously when we were face to face well you can't compare that you yeah know? it's apples and, and oranges it's apples and oranges and a lot of teachers I, I just my heart goes out to them because i see them i hear them and you know they really they they need that support they need to feel supported they need to feel like hey you know what this is okay we're going to get through this we're going to move on and we're going to move up and so on but right now i mean i've seen teachers that still haven't recovered and they're just putting on that smile and you know just going through and pushing through and that really concerns me and worries yeah. me you know because uh you know educators they've worked so so hard and then just like you said just because of a score now it's like well we're gonna move you we're gonna you're gonna go there you're gonna go here and right. you're shaking up their world and I, I was like to me i'm like wow that that's that's unfair <laughs> so yeah. yeah yeah and you think about too in our in our current culture not only are they they seeing those scores and internalizing them and things like that but you know when my mom was telling me back in 1997 or whatever it was that teachers were underappreciated and maybe i shouldn't go into the career you know she was seeing like imagine her realizing in 1997 that teachers were underappreciated when there was no social media to tell her that they weren't appreciated right now we're we're bombarded by this stuff on all of the platforms we go on depending on what kind of community we keep on them but we know it's there and 
So now not only are teachers feeling burnout from the year, feeling frustrated about their scores, feeling disappointed that maybe their district was prioritizing their scores when it wasn't the priority, but also they're seeing stuff on social media that maybe badmouths the profession and things like that and trivializes the work the teachers do. So yeah, it's hard. You know, my heart goes out for the, all, all the other teachers because, you know, I know how hard it was for me, you know, and I, I, and I know how hard it is, was for a lot of them because at least I was coming into it feeling equipped to use the technology. So they made these huge gains in technology use and worked their tails off for the students and to be, you know, then not receive the praise that they deserve on the other end is frustrating for me. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. So kind of going in, it, you know, just uh, w along that those lines right now, Jake, what you're seeing, you don't have to, you know, specifically talk about your district, but maybe you that you're very well connected and mm -hmm. you, you know, you've got a lot of friends in your PLN and everything and maybe what you're hearing. But what is your biggest fear right now that you may be thinking in terms of education? You know, is there anything on your mind right now or maybe that just comes up? you know, every once in a while, like, man, I hope that doesn't happen. Or man, I hope we can fix this. Well, what is your biggest fear right now? Hmm. I, I think, I think my, I, I guess my biggest fear is, is kind of what I was just saying is that teachers don't realize the value in what they do. You know, we, we hear, sometimes we hear loud voices or loud, um, information inputs that are a minority of opinion or a minority of data or whatever it might be. And it, it's easy to feel down about ourselves, not just in teaching, but in, in any walk of life to feel, to feel down about what we're doing or something like that and, and feel bad. And I, 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 I just hope that teachers don't fall into that trap because it's, that trap has certainly been set for them, you know, and I, I hope they see the value in the work they do, the appreciation from the students they have, the appreciation from most of the parents that they work with, um, and continue to fight through this because there there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and hopefully we come out at the end with these teachers, you know, you know, social emotional well being still intact and ready to keep doing awesome stuff for kids. Uh, but my fear is that that it's going to get too loud for them, right? All these inputs are going to get too loud for them. Yeah, no, that's good. I'm I'm really glad that you're sharing that. I'm just really uh, just also really thankful for just your being sincere and your honesty and sharing your experiences, because I know that that's something that maybe not a lot of people want to voice or share, but, you know, keep it to themselves. But yeah. thank you so much for for advocating and for sharing and all that good stuff. So appreciate it. Well, let's let's kind of just change the the mood a little bit here, also, and let's talk a little we're bit. A little, more. We're a little bit heavy, Fonz. Yeah, yeah, we got heavy, <laughs> but it's it's good, you know. It's good that we 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 just have these real conversations, you know. They, these are things that need to be talked about and need to be had, and uh, you know, appreciate all the our audience members right now that are just commenting and viewing this, and also just uh you know being agreeing with everything that we're talking about. So. Uh, but let's kind of just <laughs> lighten the mood a little bit now <laughs> and just talk a, lot, a little bit now. Let's let's uh, go into your ed tech, you know, life in that sense. So I want to talk a little bit about Jake Miller and what inspired you to first start putting, you know, your your tips and everything into onto social media. Was there a specific thing that you saw like, hey, I just you know, hey, I found this cool thing. Let me just share it with everybody. You know, what was the inspiration behind that? You know, I think I think we always learn from the things that we try out and we observe, you know, maybe the way something felt for us or what we liked about something and didn't like. And I relatively early on in my teaching career realized how much I enjoyed helping other educators with ed tech because it came 
it came relatively easy to me and was something that I was excited about. I got really excited about what I could do in my classroom with educational technology and how it benefited my students. And then I started sharing about it with my teaching team and across my school building and across my school district. And then I wanted to go further than that. And, and social media became one of those ways of doing that. And I just found that I, I had this information and I knew that other educators would value it. I knew that other educators wanted to do the best they could for their students. I just knew that they maybe didn't know what steps to take or didn't know how to get there or knew that especially 10, 15 years ago when when information on YouTube and stuff like that wasn't as readily available, they maybe didn't know where to look or how to learn how to do this or how to make these decisions. And I just found that I felt really good being that person to provide that information. And there are a lot of other people out there doing a, a wonderful job of doing it too, but I just felt like I had this information inside of me. And I wanted to share it out there. And then it, it, became, it actually got to a point where I was then learning more for the purpose of sharing more. I, I wanted to be the person who almost the way a journalist like takes like this large chunk of news and large information and really digs into a situation, whether it's political or what, whatever it might be. And like not waters it down, but, but summarizes it for the general public to get it out there. And that's what I kind of wanted to be was that service that took something that maybe was too time consuming uh, and too much information for a busy teacher to go out there and process and try to try to summarize it for them. Go like, listen, here's what you need to know. Need to know. Here's something I think is impactful. And then seeing those people appreciate it, then just just put more gas in the tank to do more of it. Man, that's great. I love it. So how long have you been on Twitter now and, and just been sharing your, your tips? Yeah, so I so I started my Twitter account probably in 2011 would be my guess. I'm not actually sure. When I, when I actually started it, I actually, <laughs> I still remember the night that I decided to start a Twitter account. There was a, uh, there was a friend in my school district who was using Twitter with high schoolers and I was teaching middle school at the time. And he had tried to get me on and I really didn't see the value of it because most of my middle schoolers weren't on Twitter at the time, although some of them were starting to get on. And when I realized I wanted to do Twitter was one night I was taking the garbage out. <laughs> why, why this happened? We'll take the garbage out. And I looked up at the sky and I see the stars. It was a super clear night. And I look up at the stars and I'm like, oh, there's, and I can't remember what I saw, like whether it's a planet or a constellation or something. And I was like, I wish I could tell my students about this right now. And I'm like, I could tell them about it tomorrow, but they'll be you know, obviously the sky won't be dark anymore. It'll be too late. And I would just be telling that happened. So I'm like, I need, I need something where I could just post messages for my students whenever I want to. And so I got on Twitter and I found out pretty quickly that my students didn't care what I posted on Twitter. <laughs> they had no interest in my posting on Twitter. So that, that part of using Twitter flamed out really quickly because they just, they just didn't care. Um, but but then I discovered these other people on on Twitter, all of these people who weren't in my school, right? Those people, like we, mm -hmm. so many of us who are excited, like truly, truly passionate about education or educational technology, we feel a little alone in our school buildings sometimes, you know, where there's a lot of other teachers who maybe aren't as outwardly excited about it as we are. And then I got on Twitter and I'm like, these are my people. Here are my people, right? So that's when I got on and started participating in some chats and discussing things and learning from others and then sharing with others. And it's just been it's been a part of my life ever since then. And I, I can't give it up. I, I hope that it doesn't go away because I enjoy it so much. Oh, no, you and me both, my friend. Uh, and that's really where I, I have learned to hone in my skills. And of course, add more tools to the teacher tool belt and just mm -hmm. add that additional seasoning yeah. to my practice. And just like uh, Amanda was saying here, I really love what she put here. She put, when you learn, 
Teach When You Get Give by Maya right. Angelou. So I thank you, Amanda, for sharing that. And of course, talking about the PLF, you know, that's those are our people. I call it my PLF because everybody that I connect with, I consider them family because yeah. I mean, I'm learning from them. I'm connecting with them. I keep those conversations open, collaboration. But you're absolutely right. You know, there may be some people that you find that are not as excited about the cool mm -hmm. things that you can do with a GIF and share and make learning visual and then just the little extra tech tool that you have just to help you with that flow. But here on Twitter, I mean, you just find people that are really passionate about, you know, what we do as far as ed tech. And, you know, I, that's the thing that I love. It, it, and that's why it feels like family. You know, these yeah. are our people. So I love that. And being able to connect with myself, being able to connect with people like you that have put out some amazing, great content. And the, the way that you put it out there in a nice little bite-sized chunk and, of course, making it very visual with a GIF. I mean, teachers, it's just, I just all I have to do is just follow the GIF. I don't even have to turn the audio on or anything right. if there was even any audio and just follow the clicks. And I'm like, oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> we found that solution. So that is, uh, that's wonderful. So I really appreciate your work there and that you've been doing because a lot of us definitely in this role as a, as an, maybe instructional technologist or even in the classroom have definitely used maybe a lot of the content that you put out there to help us. So thank you for what it is that you do and being that leader that you are. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that, uh, you know, more of those connections. So now you started with Twitter, putting stuff out there. You, you found your PLN, your PLF. And then where did the inspiration come from for the podcast now? Yeah. So there, so podcast starting season four this year, which is just insane to me. Something like awesome. I think just this morning, I was looking at released an episode last week and I'll go back a, a week or so later just to see what the, the listenership statistics are, just to see if it's going up or going down. You know, I'm not, I'm not like really worried about the stats, but I'll go look. And, and, and so while I was looking, I was like, wait a minute, am I about to start season four or season three? I like, go back and look, it just been so long uh, now that I had to go back and double check that. But yeah, it, it started because there were a collection of reasons, but I think the biggest one was I was looking at the stuff that I was sharing and I was sharing a lot of those bite-sized edu gifts, like you mentioned there that were teaching people how to, I don't know, make a table in a Google doc or add bold font into their comments in Google docs. And these are things that I want educators to learn about, but they, there was so much more that I wanted to say that didn't fit in the 280 characters. And I, I found that most of the stuff that naturally fit into what I could share on Twitter was maybe how to do something with technology. And I think that's part of it, but there was this other part of my, my mind and what I wanted to share that was kind of the mindset about integrating these things, right? That we, you don't need to use them all, right? Why might you use this thing? And why might you not use that thing? And why might you choose this over this? And why, you know, just the, the thought process of going through these different things. And that really didn't work on Twitter. There really wasn't a way for me to share that kind of stuff on Twitter. And I just wanted a way to have a conversation with educators. And the podcast became that space. I was a big podcast listener. And I still am. I used to be a huge music buff. Like if you look around my room right now, you see a bunch of concert posters around me from concerts I've gone to over the years. I almost never turn on music anymore. I just turn on podcasts because I've just hooked on podcasts. And so 
you know, like I said, three, three and a half years ago or whatever it was, I wanted to start having a conversation with the educators. I wanted to start sharing my opinion with educators and my thoughts and my beliefs with educators. And the podcast became a perfect place to do that. It also, there were some other things that I wanted to achieve by doing it. I, I love speaking. I love speaking at conferences, whether they're virtual or in person. And I found that maybe I wasn't I wasn't the greatest speaker. I, I wasn't a good speaker. I was reflecting on what I was doing. And I was like, man, you know, I, that was some good information, Jake, but that would just didn't come out well. And I was like, I need to practice this speaking thing. Oh, a podcast. That'd be great practice. And then I was a guest on a couple podcasts and they would ask me a question and I'd be like, um, well, uh, you know, and then I would say my answer. And then at the end of the answer, I go like, oh, why didn't I say whatever? And I was like, I need to get better at having these kinds of conversations. And the podcast became a way to do that. And the other thing was I, I wanted to get out a, get out a book in the future. I had these ideas for this book and I'm like, I need I need to figure out what resonates, what works, what what goes in, what goes out, what what order things go in, how I should say different things. And I realized that the podcast would also be a, a great way to kind of grow that message and and kind of practice it in a way, like almost a rough draft of the things that would become a book. So the biggest part was having that conversation with educators and sharing it, but there were also some personal growth goals that were in there too. Excellent. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, well, you mentioned a book. So let's talk a little bit about that. I know that you've got a book you mentioned that will be releasing soon. Tell us a mm -hmm. little bit about the book, how it came about, and what the big idea behind the book is. Yeah, so the, the book is called Educational Duct Tape, an EdTech Integration Mindset. Uh, it should come out. I, we, I really don't know. I'm waiting on the editor on the, on the very last stage of it. Um, and so I think whenever they send that back to me, it'll be out maybe four days after that because they essentially just upload to Amazon and then you're waiting for Amazon to to start actually printing it and shipping it out. So it could be it could be within a week of today. I really don't know. I'm, I'm excited to get it out there. It's funny to be like looking at, oh, is it gonna be Wednesday or Thursday? Like how many days away? Is it gonna be four days or five days? Because in the grand scheme of things, I've been working on this thing for over three years. So at this point, it's like, it's three years regardless. Like it doesn't matter as long as it doesn't come out two months from now. Like, like this is still roughly like, like that's a rounding error away by based on what day it comes out. But so it, it really is, uh, it really is a lot of the podcast. So, so for people who listen to the educational duct tape podcast, there's kind of two main parts of the podcast. One is uh, what I call a soapbox moment, which is just kind of a name that I gave to it randomly in one one early episode that ju I just felt like stuck and I just liked it, so I kept it. Uh, but the soapbox moment is kind of my spot to to share some kind of motivational or fun message with educators to help them in their day, w whether it's motivational or, or affirm, uh, an affirmation message or an, an ed tech um, mindset kind of thing. Like this is how you approach these kinds of problems. So that's part of the book. Each chapter has, has a, a like one of those, like a, that kind of feel in it. But then the other part of the book is what the, the true meat of my podcast is, which is asking a question that a teacher might have, like, how can I formatively assess my students? How can I hear from all of my students? How can I empower my students? How can I create student-paced learning in my classroom? Whatever it might be, um, asking that question and then identifying some tools that could work with it. So each chapter then has a question like that. And then I, I cover like five or six or seven different tools that might be the answer to that. And my goal is that the reader goes, for, first of all, that that first part of the chapter empowers them to and motivates them and inspires them and makes them feel good about their growth. And then that second part of the chapter 
it has that question and then they they then feel based on the message i've already provided them they feel equipped to decide if that's a question they even have like maybe they're not worried about formative assessment maybe they're really good at it already or maybe they do want to hear from all of their students but that's just not a front of the line goal for them they have other things that are priorities right now or maybe student pace learning feels like it's two years off for them right we'll get to that later you know so they get to that question and they go like is this something i have to do or not and then once they decide if it is, then I cover, you know, the four or five or six different tools for it um, in, you know, a, a page or so each, maybe a little less than a page. And they get enough information about the tool to decide if it's the one for them or not. And then they leave the book knowing, okay, this is the question I'm trying to answer. This is the tool I'm going to use for it. And now I just have to put it in, in place to use it. And then I, I've built, or I am building actually, as I wait for the book to come out, the back end of the book, which is an online site that gives them resources to then learn how to use those tools. So let's say they read, they watch that, or I'm sorry, they read that and they go, okay, I'm going to learn how to use BlueKit. I'm just picking that out. Mm -hmm. Then they go to the site and they learn how to use BlueKit. Uh, and, and so it takes that next step of then helping them actually do that learning. Um, but yeah, the I, the writing process literally. If you if you look at that Google Doc that I wrote it in, it probably was was first opened in late 2018 or something like that. And some of those messages that are in there, I've been kind of fiddling with since since well before that too. And so it's been it's been definitely been a labor of love. That's for sure. <laughs> well, that that's wonderful, Jake, and I and I really appreciate that that hard work that you've put into because it just shows your passion for bringing great content and mm -hmm. instruction resources to educators. You're you're giving yourself, you're pouring out what you've used that is tried and true. Maybe some of your methods, some of the tools that you have, and you know, I'm pretty sure that it's going to read great. And because you you have always focused on the teachers as well. Like you said, you're you're listening, you're getting their questions, and now you're providing some answers and more than one answer based mm -hmm. on, you know, different platforms and giving them, you know, the tools, the guidance to just get clicky with it. I always tell my my people here at our district is just get clicky with it. You can't break anything. Just <laughs> click undo, control Z, but experiment. But they they leave confident, like you said, leaving the book. Now they can go and try it out. If it may be something might not be working, they can refer back to the site that you're building now. So I think that is wonderful. That's a great way to put out your content and just being repurposed continually and people coming back to visit and so on. So that's such a great idea, man. That is amazing. So I'm really excited about that book coming out now for sure, too. Thanks. Yeah, excellent. All right, man. So now let's talk a little bit about that work, life, passion project balance, all of these things going on all at once, full-time job as a teacher. You've got your uh, webpage, podcast, your newsletters, you've got all of that. But most important component, and one of the things that like we talked about earlier is just definitely just that family support. So let's talk a little bit about that, you know, and again, you can elaborate as much as you like or as little as you like, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I know in your bio, that's one word. I'm going to air some dirty laundry here. huh? Yeah. <laughs> one of the things on your bio that really stuck out is like, hey, I am, you know, my most important job, you know, is a husband, is a father, you know, so talk to us. I, I want to know who Jake Miller, the father, Jake Miller, the husband is, 
just so our audience members can you know really see like hey you know he he's 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 like us like you know he's yeah. a poor he's a person because <laughs> like i was mentioning to you a lot of times people see it's like oh no like they're like edu famous and and no i can't go talk to them i can't approach them but i'm like there were people every regular dudes yeah like we're just <laughs> regular dudes you know and stuff like that so uh, talk to us a little bit about how you know you find that work-life balance with your family and then just getting that support from your family too as well man i'd love to hear about that yeah I, so the the family stuff comes first for me and i think it should come first for everybody and i think a, a lot of people look like you you kind of hinted at it earlier and go like how are you managing to get out all this stuff and at the same time do all the other family stuff and i, I sometimes i wonder if people are watching going like jake must spend no time with his kids because he's got all this stuff coming out but in reality it, it looks that way from the outside like, like, oh, he's got so much, you get, you're doing so much. But from the inside, I'm like, gosh, I wish I was doing more. Um, because I, I, I'm just do, I'm, I just do as much as I can, right? And I, I prioritize the time with my kids. Like, I, I have a rule, if my kids ask me to play with them, I'm gonna play with them. You know, if my wife asks me to go do whatever, like go for a hike somewhere or go out to dinner somewhere or whatever it is, like, I'm gonna say yes, right? Because they, when I'm like, hey, tomorrow morning from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., I'm doing an interview with Fonz, they're all like, okay, go for it, right? Because I, I, I get that support when I when I need the time. And then when they when they ask for something else, I, I go for that. It's, especially the things with, with my kids where they're asking me to play with them because that's that's only gonna last for so much longer. You know, a, a couple of years are all gonna say I'm lame and not wanna play with me anymore anyhow. So I've gotta take that time while I've got it. But so those things always are a priority for me. And some days I manage to get in a lot of time to do work and other days I don't. Like yesterday, um, I, I had some adventures to go on with my kids. I had some stuff to play with my kids. We watched the movie Vivo last night with the kids, which was an amazing movie. Um, I had to visit my parents yesterday. Uh, my dad needed help installing a microwave. We hadn't seen my my aunt in, in a while, so I had to go visit my aunt. And I got a half an hour of work in last night. That was it, a half an hour. And that was it. And I and I and I just have grown to the point where I'm like, I will accept the time that I get. I will do as much as I can with it. I will do whatever I consider a priority at that time. And I won't um, mourn the loss of that other time to get work done because I'm using that time for something more important, right? I'm using that time for time with my wife or time with my kids or time with my, my family. That stuff, that stuff has to be more important. So I used to be sad that I wasn't getting more time. And like, if I get a podcast and I re release that episode late, I'd be like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm bummed that I released that episode a day or two behind when I wanted to. I now have started looking at it the other way and gone like, oh, I lost that hour of time to work on the podcast. I gained that hour of playing catch with the sun or on a bike my daughter or whatever it is. And those things are just a priority for me. So when I get home from work in the evening from school, I don't, you know, I'm not I start recording this episode. I, I play with my kids, but when my kids are like, "Hey, we're all gonna go on our screen for for a half an hour," and my son gets on his Xbox, and my other son starts playing Legend of Zelda on his Switch, and my daughter starts watching High School Musical, the musical, the series on her iPad, I'm like, "Okay, I got a half an hour," and I like go down to my computer and I knock out half an hour of work, and then when I see a kid peek around the corner, I'm like all right, it's time They turn it all off, shut it down and, and go be dad because those things are the priority. So I just, I just fit it in when I can and I do as much as I can. And sometimes I wish I was doing more, but I, I, like I said, I'm doing more of the other stuff and that's the important stuff. That is what it is. That's great. That's great. And that's great advice for anybody that is out there that, you know, wants to get into either the podcast scene or content creation and so on, because this is, 
kind time consuming. It mm -hmm. really is. But, you know, it's something that we're passionate about. And for myself, you know, uh, I guess in, in a way it was also a blessing in disguise that, you know, during this uh, during this time right now, I have classes that now are Tuesdays and Wednesdays that I'm taking some courses because, man, I was going two shows a week. I was doing yeah. Wednesdays and Saturdays, Wednesdays and Saturdays. And now things have calmed down to where it's just Saturdays. And then now I'm like, hey, you know what? This is all right. You know, once yeah. a week, it's okay. You find that work-life balance. I have more time, but because in reality, this can be very time consuming yeah. and, you know, it's important to have that support. And I'm so glad, you know, like you said, you know, your wife, your your family, your kiddos and everything, they support you. And then in turn, it's like, hey, you know, let's find that time. And same thing right. here, you know, it's without my the support of my wife who just supports all my crazy ideas and doing all this. But hey, we make that time. So I'm just yeah. really excited. And so thank yeah. you for sharing a little bit of, of the dad life, you right. know, husband life, you know, that's something that's very important. <laughs> yeah. Hey, on that, on that point, you mentioned there of going from two shows to one show. That was something I wrestled with, with my podcast. I, mm -hmm. I was a weekly show and then I dialed it back to an every other week show. Cause I just couldn't manage a weekly mm -hmm. show anymore. And now I've gotten to the point where it's a, whenever the heck I can get an out show. Like yeah. <laughs> it might be, it might be once every two weeks. It might be once every three weeks. It might be coming on a Monday versus a Wednesday like I like to keep to the same day and stuff like that but mm -hmm. I just do what I can and I realized through that experience and I, I'm sure you realize this too the only person keeping score of what you're accomplishing is you like nobody yeah. else is keeping score like nobody's going like ooh Fawn styled it back to just one show a week like he must be struggling or something like nobody yeah. else is watching that you're the one watching that like certainly there are people out there who maybe miss that other episode or maybe wish there was a couple more episodes of the educational duct tape out there but they're not keeping score of it the way we think they might be. That's that's us keeping score of that. So we have to give ourselves permission to dial that back sometimes. Yeah, you know what? That is a great point because that's the way I first started. It's like every other week. Then I said, hey, let's go ahead and start cranking these out. And I was like, all right, Wednesday, Saturday. And now I'm back just to Saturdays. I'm like, hey, this is good. This is all right. This is manageable. And then yeah. just getting all those little sound bites, you know, and during the week just to continue the provos and all that stuff. But yeah, so yeah, like you said, I, you know, and. I'm glad that you shared that because I think that's something really that I needed to hear that it really is myself that is just keeping the score and, you know, not anybody else. But again, it's important to prioritize, you know, our family first. And in my yeah. case, it's just, you know, spending that time with my lovely wife and, and just going out to our Home Depot trips and working on our yard and all that good stuff. So, and, and I love it. I love it. So yeah. it's great. I think the all same right. is true in our classrooms too, right? You, know, you have those, you know, you might feel guilty not doing this one amazing project or super amazing lesson this week or something, but the only person who knows you didn't do it is you, right? As long as you're still showing up for your students, uh, you know, and caring for them, like they're still getting the value out of you, right? So sometimes you've got to go like, you know what, I'd love to do this kind of project now or this kind of lesson now. And, but if you can't manage it, if you don't have the time, you're, you're the only one keeping score of that. And you've just got to give yourself permission to, to you know, take a pass on it sometimes. Yeah. Well, I want to give also a shout out to Erica Sandstrom, who's joining us. I, you know, she's giving us a hi and she says, Jake and Fonz, two of my fave souls. So <laughs> thank you. My thank you, Erica. I love that Erica's pictures her in front of a green screen, too, because of course it is. <laughs> yes, of course. Why not? She is amazing. And of course, she says here, Jake, great advice. So that is awesome. Love it. And Amanda, quality over quantity, friends. So you're yes, right, Amanda, sure. you're right. Thank you so much. And uh, so let's go ahead and uh, kind of wrap up with my two favorite questions that I love to ask any guest here. And one of that question or one of those questions is, Jake, if you yourself could have 
any billboard or could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? I, I think I think the message I want people to see, and I think this is something I alluded to earlier, is is that teachers are awesome. Like I, I just I just wanted to say just three words: teachers are awesome. Because I want the teachers to see it and be reminded of them and go like, yeah, we do we do kick some butt. We are awesome, and I want everybody else to be reminded of it too. Like I think teachers need to hear that more because I when I you know go to a professional development or pre present virtually online, and these teachers are here at nine in the morning on a summer day and they're they're still learning more for their students to get even better for them i'm like you guys are just awesome like this is so cool that you're doing this like you went through the hardest year ever and you're still learning more teachers are awesome like that's what the sign needs to say i, I know i want to see that sign as i'm driving into work next week when my, my school year starts and i think other teachers deserve to see it too Excellent. Great points. I love it. And the last question, Jake, if you and I were to switch roles and I was your guest, what would be one question that you would love to ask me? Well, Fonz, I think we need to actually switch switch sides of the table and, and have you on the other side of the table on educational duct tape sometimes. So I think we're I think we're actually gonna do that sometime if you're up for it. Yeah, I'm um, up for it anytime, my friend. Good, good. <laughs> so this is this, but this is my chance to warm up for when we actually do that. I wanna know why YouTube live. I, I think there's so much vulnerability in in recording live. I ever when I record that podcast, it's you know, 1030 at night, nobody else is listening, but me and the guest. And then a couple weeks later, I air it. And there's there's the ability to edit stuff out. Why do you why live? Why do you like it this way? You know what, that that is a great question, Jake. And I get that often from, you know, Tim, and I get that from everybody. The reason that I do this is because I, when I was like you said, going back into my classroom teaching, you're live, you're you're on mm -hmm. there, and you're putting yourself out there. And you're in you're you can be you're vulnerable. You're out yeah. there. If something doesn't turn out well, it doesn't turn out well. But hey, it, it is what it is. You went through it. And just like you mentioned earlier, say, hey, you know what? You tried. You did. You gave it your best. But maybe you had this technical glitch. Like, you know, I'll, I'll have, you know, some audio uh, that may not, you know, be heard clearly mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. But just that live aspect is I just want to give people just that feeling that they are there. They're they're seeing this live. We are vulnerable. The answers that we give are answers that are coming just straight from our heart. Mm -hmm. And just to capture those moments, because sometimes you may not get that feeling. Like if I'm a viewer and I'm watching something that might be pre-recorded, you know, do I do I really get that feeling mm -hmm. from hearing it and watching it live? And again, it just it it is what it is. I just want to be authentic, genuine. If we make a mistake, I want other podcasters or anybody else that may want to try to go live say, "Hey, you know what? Fun's made a mistake." Right. And look, he just kept going. No big deal. And so that's always been my workflow. And also, Jake is because going back to that time, uh -huh. that time issue. <laughs> I just download everything, and as it is, I just upload everything straight into Anchor. Yes. Whether it it has you know compression bad compression or little glitches or artifacts i just put it up there because it's just real it's genuine and it's about just getting the content out there so that's that's really my reasoning behind it and again i don't mind being vulnerable and sometimes yeah. like i said it you might get those little reactions in that moment from the that guest that if something is planned out or recorded maybe it doesn't give off that 
that feeling, you know what I mean? That real. Yeah. I I like that your, your answer was really, and this is what I try to preach to educators about technology all the time is you have a very specific set of goals and parameters that you're trying to like goals that you're trying to stick to here, which is as Omar said there, you're trying to keep it real, right? That Mm -hmm. that's your big goal of why you're doing this this way. Um, and and as Amanda said, the authenticity and then (laughs) Erica just likes to be along with her. Uh, (laughs) And then the other part of it is, when we choose a technology, we need a technology that works well for our, our, our situation, right? Whatever the specifics of our situation is. And as you said, it's that time aspect, right? So doing it live in a way saves you time. So it meets some goals that you have in the fact that it's, it's real, right? It, it's a real vulnerable conversation. It sets that example and puts you up as a, as a kind of a role model in a way, but then it also has fits those parameters of needing it to be an efficient way of doing it. And this certainly is more efficient than recording and then editing and then publishing. And then, you know what I mean? And it saves you time. So I like that a lot. Yeah. And I I love what Omar says here too, you know, as an audience member, he feels that he can connect with both the host and the guest. You know, he's seen us here drinking our coffee, you know, having our conversation. And then it says, let's say what Jay's asking says, we need to know that we can't always rely on tech and shows more vulnerability. Mm -hmm. You know, you're right. And and that's what the, the biggest thing with me and, and the lesson that I have always taken from my years of experience in teaching. It wasn't until I, I started teaching elementary. I went from high school to elementary. But really, that's where I feel like I honed in more of my skills and that I was able to be vulnerable. Like I, I allowed my students to see like, oh, you know what? That didn't work out as as good as I thought. Let's revisit that tomorrow. But then a lot of students would say, no, 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 no worries, Mr. Mendoza. We got this. Look, instead of doing that, try this and giving them the time to experiment. And then I found out like, hey, even if I make a mistake, some of my kids may catch me and say, hey, what if we try it this way? And I'd be like, okay, let's go for it. And you just continue. And it built that community. And even now too, putting myself out here, like with you, this interview and all of our guests, it's it just re- takes me back to the classroom moments where things may not work out, but the message is there. And like Omar said, you, you just feel that connection, yeah. that community, that PLF, that personal learning family. We're all connected and we're here together. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, great answer, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. But we'll definitely have to work on that. You know, I'm, I'm always uh, it. I'm always excited to be on the receiving end of the questions, <laughs> you know, so that's always something uh, interesting, but yeah, I love anytime that. I would love, we can definitely schedule that. Yeah, we'll but make it Jake, Thank you so much, Jake. I really appreciate just your authenticity, how genuine you are, your answers, your heart more than anything for the education community, your heart as a husband, your heart as a father, and everything that you do. I wish you continued success. And I can tell you that I'm definitely very excited about your book. I'm excited about what you're doing as far as the website too as well. And I can assure you that everybody in our education community will definitely benefit from that. So thank you for what you do. You are awesome. Continue doing what you're doing, my friend, because it is making a difference and you are making an impact. So I just want to leave you with that. Yeah, same to you, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. And for all our audience members and anybody that's going to be re-watching this or listening to this, uh, thank you so much, as always, from the bottom of my heart for making my EdTech life what it is. I appreciate all of your support, all of your shares. 
drop by our website, myedtech.life, give us a review, reach out to us, give us some feedback. Uh, guys, I'm always looking to bring you the best of me, the best of the show. And by you giving me feedback, that'll help me grow and continue to bring you some amazing shows, bring you some amazing guests and change anything that I need to change just to really just hit a home run every time that I do a show. So thank you so much again, as always. And I'm really excited. We will be having a, a next show will be coming up this next Saturday. And we've got the hosts of the Punk Rock Classroom will be here. You don't want to miss that show. It is going to be a rocking show. So really excited about that. So thank you to Omar, to Jay, to Amanda, to Erica, to Mel, who joined us too as well. All of our uh, people here that were commenting, thank you so much. And as always, Jake, you are welcome back. Anytime you are part of the, my PLF, anytime you'd like to come back for anything, promote anything, any projects you've got going on, you always have an open invitation, my friend. Thanks, Fonz. Thanks, everybody. All right, guys. And don't forget, guys, till next time, stay techie.